Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer Matt Tremont. That there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah! Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night, this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity, Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Spirited Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, probably watching porn, you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that guy, you only Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. It is Wednesday, July 22nd, 2015. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J.Cat Morris. I got a bunch of stuff to talk about. I watched a little of the WWE pay-per-view. It's the first WWE I've watched since the last pay-per-view. So, you know, I got a little bit to say about that. A um, couple different things to talk about. But before all of that, my guest tonight is the Strong Style Psycho Tank. What's going on, man? Hey, brother. How you doing? Good, good. How are you? All right, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Um, so, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff to ask you. Um, first, you know, how would you get into wrestling? Even, you know, before doing wrestling, how would you get into it as a kid, watching and stuff? Oh, man, uh, my dad, uh, he was always a big wrestling fan. Being from Chattanooga, Tennessee, he would, uh, go, to, he would go to the matches when he was younger and then, and uh, as I got older, I used to hate it. I mean, I was just like, I would sit and watch it with him and would be like, God, it's so stupid. And one day we were watching uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling and the mass superstar beat up Mr. Wrestling 2. 
and took his mask off. So Gordon Soley was selling it like, you know, that never happened before. And then the show ended there. So I watched the next week to see what would happen. And then the next week, and then they actually came to Chattanooga two or three weeks after that. And I begged my dad to take me, and he took me. And then we went probably every Saturday night for about seven or eight years. So then I was hooked. Look, line and sink. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you did actually get into it and everything, who were your favorite guys to watch? Oh, uh, when I was a kid, the first match I ever saw that had, like, blood was uh, Bruiser Brody and Abdul the Butcher. So they legit scared the shit out of me. I was probably 10 or 11 years old. And uh, as a kid, Bruiser Brody and the Fabulous Freebirds were probably my favorites to watch And uh, out, of, out of Georgia. But we also had a... Uh, NWA show in Chattanooga that Nick Goulas promoted. And mm-hmm. I saw tons of guys there, uh, Gypsy Joe, Chugga Yamamoto, Bobby Eaton. Uh, so I grew up watching these guys. I'm just really telling you how old I, that I really am. I'm an old fucker. <laughs> and uh, so we, uh, you know, we watched, or I watched, and then, like, we had uh, the Poffos, uh, ICW, would, would come into town from time to time, and Every now and then, Memphis would come, and they ran. We had a baseball stadium here called Ingalls Stadium, and I saw Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee, and I mean, I, I saw some good shit as a kid. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I mean, you know, in the South, you had a lot pretty much delivered right in front of you. So. Oh yeah. You know, with the, um, with Georgia being on, it was like the first big cable company, Turner TBS. Uh, and then mm-hmm. the the local show, which was uh, hosted by this guy named Harry Thornton, but just seeing like you know all the matches between uh, the Blonde Bombers against uh, Bobby Eaton and uh, it was George Gullis, which is Nick Gullis' son, and he was just god awful. But Nick Gullis just pushed him to the moon because it was his kid. But Bobby Eaton, you know, seeing him all those years, and then you know, later on him going on to Midnight Express. Yeah, I'm seeing Ricky Morton when he first started. Uh, yeah, there was mm-hmm. just tons, just tons of talent. And, you know, when wrestling, to me, was really fucking believable. Sure. Um, so, you know, at what age did you decide that you actually wanted to do it? I mean, because it went from a standpoint, like you said, you, you didn't even like it, you thought it was stupid to really getting into it, to then, trans, you know, you know, jump from there to actually you want to do this. Oh, man, I, I've always wanted to do it. Uh, you know, I, I played football and wrestled in high school, and I dabbled in a little wrestling in college and uh, met some buddies of mine, and we would just uh, – we, we would all go to the local shows, and, and now we'd go get drunk. And, like, we – I mean, I, I'll admit it, I started in the fucking backyard, but we were teaching ourselves how to work and not hitting right. each other with, with, with light tubes and shit. We would watch videos. And we you know we were learning, trying to teach ourselves how to work the left arm and the left side of the body, and actually right. putting on matches for other people. We all had different characters, and uh, we saw this guy. He had a karate studio in Chattanooga. And he had a, a wrestling ring in the back parking lot. So we went and talked to him, and it was actually a boxing ring, so it was stiff as hell. And mm-hmm. he was like, you know, if y'all fix it up, y'all can use it whenever you want, and. You know, we we taught ourselves to run the ropes. Not real good, but you know, we were doing 
pretty good. And there was a couple of local uh, wrestlers, uh, Richie Dye and Rawhead Rex, uh, David Young. They actually came by. They saw us and were like, you know, y'all are actually pretty good. And they got in the ring and showed us a few things. And and then he was Richie was like, you know, if you want to train, come down to this other show. And the rest is history. We we started, I trained for them for about six or seven weeks because I knew the basics. They just were teaching me some psychology and stuff, and that was in 1996, and I guess the rest is history. Sure. Um, now, you know, when you actually got into training with these guys, was it everything you expected? Were you pretty much completely prepared, or did any of it catch you by surprise? Oh, man, they, uh, you know, breaking in, I was thinking, man, you know, I'm going to make the, you know, everybody's thinking of making the big time. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's everybody's goal. And, uh, you know, they just taught me more of the respect of the business and how to respect the guys in the locker room. And if you don't respect the guys in the locker room, you you might get your ass beat. And and they they took me and this other kid. We were like the only two that, that, that went back to training they were they were rough on us, you know. They they beat the hell out of us. Mm-hmm. And I just seen if, if 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 we could do it or wanted to do it, you know. And and it wasn't easy. It was two or three nights a week. They just dog us out, and we kept coming back. So they were like, you know, I guess you kids really want to do it. I mean, I wasn't a kid. I was twenty five years old. Right. I was a kid to them, you know, breaking in, being a rookie, and uh, and Richie, you know, he he'd been around a while. You know, done jobs in Georgia and NWA, and uh, and he and and David, the guy Rawhead Rex, the guy who I consider my trainers, taught me the business. You know, taught me like the respect, psychology, when to do stuff, when not to do stuff. Uh, really toughened me the hell up. I mean, I went in at kind of a pussy, and after mm-hmm. 20 years, I, I'm I consider myself. Not a tough guy. I'm a big old teddy bear, but you know, you fuck with me, you 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 might get pounded on a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's what they taught me. They were like, you know, don't, you know, show the guys respect, but don't take any shit from anybody. All right, that's a balance. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, how did you um, how did you land on Tank? Is that was going to be your name? Uh, man, I was, I had, I had, uh. I had hair, you know, now I'm bald. I had the goatee, and I was just a big mark for, for Tank Abbott. And I was a big mark okay. for Scott Norton. So my, my first name when I first started was I was Tank Norton just because I just thought Scott Norton was the shit. And I kind of looked like mm-hmm. Tank Abbott when I shaved my head and right. just stuck with that. And then when I went to uh, NWA Wildside, Bill Barron was like, now we're going to drop the Norton. You're just going to be Tank. So in 2001 when I started there, we dropped the Norton and just the whole, you know, look at Tank Abbott and everybody. Like, damn, you do look like Tank Abbott, and so we just went with that. So I was kind of glad I never really met him face to face. He might have beat the shit out of me or something. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because uh, you know I made the comparison, and then you know if, if you randomly ask someone, you know, Tank this, that, a lot of people, oh, you mean Tank Abbott? So it's funny that it was actually based on Tank Abbott. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll be the um, I'll be the first to to admit that I was in a in a bookstore one day looking at a magazine and this kid goes uh, Are you Tank Abbott? So I was being a smartass. I was like, Yeah. He goes, 
I gotta get my dad. He wants to meet you. I was like, oh shit! And I hauled ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. Yeah. So, um, what was uh, what was you what you would consider the first legit <sighs> NWA Wildside? Okay. I, had, I I dabbled on the you know around here we call it the 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 outlaw circuit. You know we didn't really call it indie wrestling back then. It was all outlaw wrestling. And right. uh, uh, TWA and uh, and Rossville, Georgia. They they moved to Dalton, Georgia. There were so many shows in like Chatsworth, Georgia. These just like little little areas around Chattanooga, and we would, you know, and I, I wrestled all of them, and and never really traveled too far away from home. I, I did go to Florida once by myself for pretty much nothing, you know, a right. hot dog and a handshake. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just paying my dues, you know, Richie and they were always like, you know, if you, if you ever want to make a name for yourself, you gotta, you're going to have to branch out and get out of this area. And I went to Wildside for a for a tryout, and I did an elbow from the apron to the floor like Cactus Jack, and it got me a spot. And I never did that fucker again because it hurt too bad. And uh, <laughs> Steve Martin yeah. was the owner. He just thought that was cool. He was like, man, I, I think I have a new hardcore guy. I really never did a whole lot of hardcore matches before Wildside. And I do, you know, I'd get, I'd bleed from time to time, but nothing too extreme. And then did my first thumbtack match with this guy, Bobby Hayes, another guy who's a, kind of a journeyman. And then I was like, and it was actually pretty good. And that was about the hardest thing I'd ever done. And I got to Wildside. Right. And then uh, Bill, Bill Barron is like, the, you know, he's one of the coolest guys ever. And I have to, put him as like one of the, the guys that you know that really made me who I am because once mm-hmm. I started there you know people from all over I mean it got me in the combat zone it got me into IWA Mid-South and I only did two shows with CCW but it was still cool that I got to go do them and uh, right. just, just tons of other shows that they would see Wildside at 4 o'clock in the morning and be like oh this tank guy's pretty cool this iceberg guy's pretty cool let's book him right and uh you know that you teamed up a lot much. with Iceberg. Uh, how did Excuse you hook up with Iceberg? I said you oh, teamed man. up a lot with Iceberg back then. How did oh, you hook yeah. up with Iceberg? Fucking, okay, uh, it was another local show in Chattanooga called uh, Ultimate Extreme Wrestling, and he just come mm-hmm. up with uh, I, I forgot who he come up with, and we were just in the back shooting the shit, and he was drinking beers, and I was drinking beers with him, and they had us wrestle each other, and dude, we we clicked so well just we just meshed with each other because we we're just two big guys and the crowd there never seen nothing like just two 350 pound guys beating the piss out of each other yeah. and so we got in the back and we were like fuck this we need to team up so the next week he came back up and they put the tag belts on us <laughs> we were like hey, you guys are going to be our tag team champions and uh and then I started the wild side so I really couldn't do their show as much as I was. And then Iceberg mm-hmm. started at Wildside, and Bill didn't see us as a team. He had us uh, – we worked at Angles for about a year and a half with each other. And then uh, they put the, the heavyweight strap on him, and I, I kind of dabbled in the in the tag team scene at Wildside. Uh, I teamed with uh, White Trash and Bulldog Reigns and Scotty Wren and won tag belts with all those guys. And then uh, – we just pretty much told Bill, you know, fuck, it's been like three or four years. Let's, let us team up. And 
He's like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And then we took off from there. Yeah. Um, actually, the first time I saw you at all was because, um, you know, I mean, there was tape trading and stuff. And, you you know, some guys kind of catch your attention. But, you know, a lot of guys are kind of blend in. So I might even see you on the, you know, King of the Death or something. But prior to that, I saw you at Ring of Honor. And, yep. uh, you know, strangely enough, uh, how did the Ring of Honor booking all come about? And, you know, how, what was that like for you? It was uh, 2003 in the Murphy Rec Center. It was actually, I was booked for combat zone that night. Iceberg worked the Ring of Honor show. I didn't work it. I was, I was there hanging out because we had uh, the best really? of the best. Uh, yeah, it was Iceberg. I was I trying to get booked. In a but, big tag match, no? No, no, no. That was Iceberg. It was Iceberg, and uh, I believe he was on, like, Dusty Rhodes' team or something. Huh. And, uh, huh. no, that that was my buddy Iceberg. That, that wasn't me. I was there watching because they, they they did the brawl like around the building, and I did the combat zone uh, battle royal that night at the best of the best uh, tournament. Oh shit! Yeah, I could swear it was you and Iceberg tagging up in that. Um, I'm no, Iceberg yeah, did a few shows up there. Uh, I like I said, I I tried to get booked up there, but I don't. They just wasn't having it. <laughs> I actually sure. went and talked to Gabe one time in Cleveland, and he was all like, you know. I'd love to use you, but you got to lose your shirt. I'm like, you know, I'm a I'm a fat guy. I don't want to wrestle without <laughs> a shirt. And uh, and Slowly Joe even went to bat for me. He was like, Gabe, he goes, you get in the fucking ring, you take your fucking shirt off. And he was like, no, no, no. And then that was about the end of my ring of honor. When you did, uh, you know, you did the combat zone uh you said, uh, you know, Bill Barron's helped you out with the booking. Um, I was going back then. I know I saw you there, but um, I don't remember. Was that part of the NWA crossover that they were doing? It was a little bit afterwards. They, uh, the Lost Boys had gone up and wrestled mm-hmm. the Hay Club. Yeah. Uh, they did a little something there. I never – I actually uh, – Jimmy Ray was booked for us. It was the show before Best of the Best. He was doing like a qualifying match. And uh, Zandig wanted him to bring a tag team up, and he picked me an iceberg. So we went up there. We did some big clusterfuck match against uh, Rock and Rebel and uh, right. a dude that was on Tough Enough. Great. And there was, a, there was yeah. a few other guys in it, and it ended up being kind of a cluster. And uh, it was just cool wrestling in ECW ring. That was the only reason why I fucking went. You know, because yeah. I knew there wasn't going to be you know, a whole lot of money in it. But at the time, I didn't care about the money. I was just like, this is ECW arena. This is going to be cool as shit, you know. And then we got there early as hell, and I'm walking around the arena saying, well, this is where Tommy Dreamer, you know, went through the tables, and this is the, the step where Paul Heyman gave his big speeches. You know, that was it was just a big mark-out moment for me to even walk in that building. Sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so when did you start working for Ian when in uh, Mid-South? Uh, 2004, he was doing his, uh, it was supposed to have been the last King of the Death matches, the last bloody strand. And, uh, I got a hold of Bill and I was like, hey, see if he can get me in this tournament. And, uh, he's like, we'll just shoot him an email or something. So I did. And then Ian got a hold of Bill and, and Bill was like, yeah, he's, he's legit. And I went up there, it was in Ulytic, Indiana. And my first match was the deranged before he 
I guess he was fairly new, and I mean, I'd never really done death matches until then. Like, I'd done a few hardcore matches, but some, you know, a little bit of barbed mm-hmm. wire and cage matches and thumbtacks, but nothing with glass and stuff. And, and uh, right. my first tournament in, I was like, hey, this is fun. You know, I guess that was my sadistic side. Yeah. So I was thinking, you know, man, this is, this is all right. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, did, I had to wrestle deranged twice. And then I wrestled uh, Kobe Klein in the, in the semifinals. So I, I guess Ian saw something in me that first night. He let me go all the way to the semis. Mm-hmm. He brought me back for some other shows in, like, uh, Highland and uh, uh, Lafayette, Indiana. And just some little, you know, I think Ian ran just about every armory in Indiana. And I probably wrestled at all of them in front of, you know, 15, 20 people. But he always paid me. That's the thing about it. Ian. And a lot of people always gave him shit about the payoffs. And right. the one time he ever shorted me on pay, he made up for it the very next week. And it was like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a little short tonight. I'll make it up to you. And the next week we had a show, and he made, and he made it up to me. So I can never say yeah. anything negative about Ian Rotten. Sure. And uh, and I worked for him quite, you know, I actually moved to Ohio in 2007. I lived up there for two years. And every show Ian did for about two years, I was on him. And uh, yeah, and and I got to wrestle, uh, you know, some good fucking talent. I mean, I got to wrestle, you know, Davy Richards and do shows with CM Punk and Danielson and Nigel McGuinness. And you know, and learning from these guys too. You know, I'd probably been wrestling longer than them. I was still learning from because they were doing all this cool right. shit, and I'm trying to, you know, I was labeled a deathmatch wrestler. But I could I could actually go with some of these guys, and it was very uh, cool. And then he put me in the strong style tournament against Samoa Joe. Yeah, probably one of my yeah. most, most favorite matches ever. It was just six minutes of us beating the piss out of each other, and Samoa Joe made me look like a million bucks that night. You know, he could have been he was yeah. TNA X Division champion. He could have had a an ego and say, "I ain't giving this guy shit." I dominated the entire match until the finish. You know, I was yeah. like, "Holy shit, this, this dude's cool." You know. A lot of guys yeah. don't do that shit now. Yeah, what was it like, you know, working working the match out with Joe? Was it all just called in the ring, or you know, did you have any talk beforehand or anything? Because I don't know if you were as well known as he was, or you know. Oh no, I mean it was a, you know, he had that that kick ass match with with Necro Butcher the year before, mm-hmm. and then when Ian announced it, you know, like on the message board, they were all like, oh, you know, this might live up to the Necro. Samoa Joe match because you know I'm a hard hitting guy and Joe's a hard hitting guy right. and we actually uh, roomed in the same hotel. He got there a little later than I did and we just sat there and shot the shit. And he was like, you know, let's do this and we named, you know, we pretty much called everything in the hotel room and got the building and it just turned out perfect, you know. And then sure. he had hurt his ankle during the match and couldn't continue in the tournament doing a dive, right. but. uh Man, he was he was a super guy. He was cool as shit and didn't care to make me look like a million bucks. Like, at, at that point, you know, his career, like I said, he was TNA X Division champion. He could have, like, just fucking big, you know, big league man said, I ain't giving you shit. You know, right. You're going to have to earn it. And then it, it wasn't nothing like that, man. He just, we just went out there and I thought we had a hell of a match. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, I mean, you wrestled a lot of people in IWA, including even doing, you know, some of the intergender stuff with um, Mickey Knuckles. Um, what uh-huh. was your thoughts on working Mickey and, you know, overall the 
the you know male versus female thing because it's you know as of recently caught a little bit of heat, but and the thing with Mickey is she, I mean, she she hits like a dude. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like yeah, you know, I'm really against the whole intergender wrestling thing. Uh, at the time we were just you know we were doing the angle where me and Freak Show and Insane Lane were doing the Deep South against the Mid South and. And we we beat her up, and then I, you know, put her over in one of the death match tournaments. But you know, if you saw the match, the it was a legit finish where she kicked a fucking baseball bat into my face. You know, uh-huh. and, I, and I told her that I was like, you know, if this is going to be legit, it's going to have to look brutal. And it was brutal. It was a barbed wire baseball bat, and she kicked it into my face. I mean, almost legit knocked me out. You know, most guys they 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 wouldn't have done it. And sometimes I look back now, maybe I shouldn't have done it. But at the time, it, it was good business. You know what I'm saying? It right. Was, uh, you know, like I said, every now and then I look back, ah, that was kind of stupid. But at, at that time, it was good business. But now I see these guys just beating the shit out of out of girls. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? And, right. And I, I have a problem now. There's some shows around here that use uh, female referees. And I'll refuse to do a match with a female ref because I just think it's, you know, if a, if a little male referee can't stop me from doing something, what's a female ref going to do? Right. You know, and they say, well, you know, UFC, they use female refs. This ain't the fucking UFC. It's, this is pro wrestling. You know? This, right. And, and I, I actually did a show one night. They only had one ref. It was a female. And I was like, well, I ain't fucking working. So they had to get some dude out of, pretty much out of the crowd to ref my fucking match or I wasn't working. And I guess they. Wow. I mean, I, I guess that was kind of a dickhead move on my part, but man, yeah, I just wasn't having it. Um, and like so, you know, Chris Dickinson when he powerbombed that chick a few months ago. I mean, right. You know, if if it was called, if that's what she wanted to do, then you know he, he took a lot of hate for that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, for sure. You know, and if, and if she agreed to it, then you know they got to put some blame on her too. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the big part of it is uh, she was completely down for it. I mean, she took a spot that was easily just as risky the week before with her boyfriend in the ring, and you know, that's that's what she was going for was to get hit by the you know the toughest dudes and to take the crazy spots in order to show how tough she was. So, you know, and Mickey was the same way. She she mm-hmm. wanted to get hit hard. She 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 wanted to fight. You know, and then, you know, I always thought it was, I mean, and she was, she was, I mean, she was legit tough as nails. Uh, we had wrestled uh, her, me and Iceberg wrestled her and Ian in uh, Alabama, and me and Bird, we legit broke her ribs. It was all total accident, and she fucking kept going, you know, mm-hmm. didn't puss out and didn't whine or cry about it, you know, and after her ribs were broke, she still, like, calling me a pussy, telling me to hit her harder. I'm like, damn. <laughs> and I heard, and they were really been around her, and we were just like, yeah, he was really shot. Like, man, this is the toughest bitch I've ever met. Yeah. So I, I had you on once back in a couple of years ago, and I think with Billy Billy Graham, and um, you know, we talked about the Mike Levy situation, but because you know we're going through everything, just want to get your side on that again, so we could you know put it all together more or less. Yeah. The Mike Levy, man, at, at the time for Ian, I was doing uh, 
curb stomps on everybody. I would jump people and give them curb stomps. That was just a mark right. for the move. And him and uh, Mickey had had their match, and uh, I wasn't really paying much attention to how hard they were hitting each other. You know, I always thought, I thought it was kind of a joke, but he and me both teams. So I was like, let me go out and get my curb stomp. So he ends up, go ahead. Well, I go out, and I didn't know Devin Moore was behind me. And I go, and next thing I know, what happened, happened. As far as the beating that happened with everybody else, you know, I I didn't condone that. And, I, and you know, goddamn, I look back now, and I feel really bad about it. I should have stopped the shit. But yeah. it was it was just a bad decision. You know, if I could take it all back, I would. Uh, yeah. You know, and I took a lot of heat for that shit. And, you know, on, on the message boards, and I'm a dick, and blackballing him. And, and uh, I actually quit for a while after that. You know, I took a few months off just trying to get my head together. And, right. Uh, moved back to Chattanooga and, you know, just tried to start fresh from going up north and just sticking, I guess, close to home. And I started at Anarchy, which we used to be wild side. We went back there. It was in a fucked up situation altogether. Yeah. And uh, he was on some show. I called in and I apologized to the kid and, you know, everything's cool. But at the time, it was it was a pretty shitty deal. Well, right. I really don't like to talk about a whole lot because – you know, your shit brings back bad memories, and it was just a fucked up situation. Right. Well, I mean, you know, and I've heard a lot of people um, in defense of the situation using you as a part of the defense in saying that, you know, that the size you are, if you were really, really trying to hurt the kid, there's a good chance you could have smashed his head, you know. I mean, I would have – I damn near broke my ankle trying to protect him. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. trying to shoot on him or fucking hurt him. You know, I, right. I came off the second rope, and if you saw the video, my left ankle is, like, all rolled under and twisted, and, like, I barely touched his fucking head. Like, because, you know, right. like you said, I if I really wanted to hurt him, I, I could have killed him. I, I would have right. put both feet on his head or do whatever, and I had no intention of doing that. And, you know, I was, I figured, you know, I feel like my part of it was work. And then it just got out of hand when everybody else came out there and right. did the shit they were doing to him. I was like, okay, this turned into a work and to they're beating the fuck out of this guy. And right. then it was one of those, I'm thinking, you know, if I try to stop, you know, it's going to be me against the rest of the fucking locker room. And when, you know, and then when I got in the back and said, boo, just gave me this look of like, you know, why were you fucking doing that? And I knew then it, it was fucked up. Mm-hmm. And and what happened was fucking wrong. But yeah. you know, we 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 can't change the past. And I just try to put it no. behind me. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And just go from there. Yeah, I'm just glad the kids are all right. You know, he 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 stuck around that night. You know, he didn't tuck his tail and leave. He stuck around and watched the rest of the show. And uh, it also took a lot of heat. The match I was in that evening, Wax came off the top of the fucking building on me to a table, and, and Ian told me before the match, he's like, you know, you're going to be a monster. You no-sell every fucking thing. And I told him the spot. He goes, just get up. Okay, I did the spot. I got up. And uh, and, and it was wrong on my part to even do that. But, you know, when, you're, when you work for somebody and they tell you to do something and you don't do it, 
You know, at the time, I'm like, I don't want to lose any bookings, you know, by not doing what the boss says. It's just like doing your Mm -hmm. shoot job. Somebody tells you to do it, and you don't do it, you might get fired. A lot of people gave me shit about uh, doing that spot, and and I've apologized to Wax many times for that. I sent him a message on Facebook about two years ago. like, man, I was thinking about that. I apologize for doing that to you. And he's like, man, it's all good. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you, you've worked tons of guys over there at IWA. Um, a couple of them, you know, we've lost. Um, you've had some matches with brain damage. What was your, you know, memories of your matches with brain damage and him overall? Oh, man, he was he was awesome. Uh, first time, I got to work him twice. The first time was one, uh, uh, I believe it was the 05 tournament. It was just the opening round. And, uh, this is before he was like doing the whole Terminator gimmick, and uh, mm-hmm. and, and he was so fucking cool, and he just laid back, and you know we, we really didn't go out there and beat the hell out of each other. That was the next year when I did the power bomb spot on the firecrackers, that got right. pretty big. You know, a lot of airplay on YouTube and the internet, and you know, and uh, the the funny part about that is he was wanting me to put him down his pants. And lot of, and I was like, no, nah, I'd rather not do that. I don't want, I don't want to blow your dick off, you know. And he was, mm-hmm. yeah, man, that, that makes sense. And he hit me so hard in, in, in that match. You can see it. We're we're doing a fucking trade off, and he hits me so fucking hard. I just say fuck it, and I grab him and give him a, a Samoan drop because I was like, I can't take no more of those. You're gonna knock me the fuck out. But he, all right, I mean, he hit hard. He was cool as shit, and. And I hate that he's gone because he, he brought so much to the whole deathmatch genre at the time. You know, it was you sure. had all your top guys, you know, Necro and Toby and uh, fucking Mitch Page. And he, he brought something, you know, different because he looked like a monster. You know, he was tall. Yeah. And, you know, my wife was even like, you know, first time she saw him, she was like, man, he's a, he's a good-looking guy. I hope he's not doing deathmatches and he's out there, you know, fucking bleeding all over the place. And she's like, yeah. he's, the, he's the first pretty boy of deathmatch wrestling, is, is what my wife labeled him as the, the first time she saw me working. And, uh, yeah, yeah he, he was great to sit around and bullshit with. And he never had an ego. He listened. Between him and Drake Younger, I mean, Drake was fucking awesome, too. You know, I'm so happy right. for him and what he's doing now. He was another guy. Sure. He just, you know, he busted his ass to get where he's gotten. And if, and if Marvin... Or brain damage, you know, they don't tell him. I know it took some time off. I, I lost the base of a lot of these guys when I moved back to Tennessee and quit working for Ian there for a while. Mm-hmm. And I guess he was, you know, he had some demons he was facing and, and, and messing with and had to deal with. And, you know, but, uh, you know, the times I was around him, he was, he was a super fucking guy. And, you know, he was, he was awesome. You know, I watched all this yeah. his own shit, and I was like, man, this guy, he, he's the real fucking deal. Sure. And I was watching uh, Tremont uh, DVD, and there was a match that he had with Matt Tremont, and it, it's yeah. on the DVD. I was like, man, it's so fucking good. <laughs> you know, he was yeah. so good. That was his last match in CZW. And the video of the blood squirting out of his head onto the camera, I mean, it don't get no fucking better than that. Especially for <laughs> yeah. a blood mark like me, you know, it's just badass. Sure. Um, 
Now, um, you were talking about, you know, the trade-offs and the hard-hitting and stuff like that. It, I don't really know what the turning point was, but I know there was a certain point where, you know, the worked punches kind of went by the wayside, you know, in the death matches, and it became more of the actual real striking and, the you know, the shoot headbutts and stuff like that. What was that yes. point for you? Working Necro Butcher. We, oh, is uh, that it? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it was just, uh, I mean, I was still, you know, I I labeled myself as the safest deathmatch wrestler ever because I've never hurt anybody and everybody nobody's ever gotten hurt in one of my matches. But with Necro, that, that blind fucker, he can't see. He just knocks the piss out of you. And if you don't hit him back, he's going to just keep pounding on you. And uh, I got to work him one night, and we just beat the piss out of each other. And then I was – and then, like, you know, it's like any other kind of wrestling. If, if, if you don't hit hard, then the, then the fans are going to shit on it. Right, you know, and that's who we're there to please as a fan. I'm not there to please myself, but I'm there for the the people that that pay their hard-earned money to watch two guys beat the piss out of each other. But I try to tell the story too. But sometimes it it gets a little gets a little a little too stiff. But I'm a big boy. If I can't take it, I don't need to be fucking doing it. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, another guy that um. You had worked and you know has passed is uh, J.C. Bailey. What was your thoughts uh-huh. on you know working with him? He was awesome. You know he was ahead of his time. Uh, very innovative in his shit. And uh, when I first time I met him was 2004, and we actually uh, found a cat in Olympic in my first death match tournament, and we named it J.C. after him. And he, he was uh-huh. he was so cool and laid back. And uh, you know, a lot of these guys, I, I, I never dabbled in in the pills. I don't drink. I mean, I don't have a sour right. beer from time to time. But you know, I, I'm I'm not in the in, in the drug scene at all. You know, and every sometimes you can just tell when he had taken too many. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he's just sitting there glassy eyed or whatever. But he was always just just cool to talk to. You know, he would sit back here and just shoot the shit with you and. Like I said, he was very innovative, and he was ahead of his time also. Kind yeah. of brain damage. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, um, you know, out of all the guys that you've worked, I mean, you've, you've worked the Necro Butchers, the, the Brain Damages, the Masadas. Who would you say uh, is the hardest-hitting guy or a couple hardest-hitting guys that you've wrestled? Uh, necro, Brain Damage, uh, uh, Masada, we, we've only got to work one time. He he came through Wildside. We never got to wrestle each other there. And uh, right. I was in the, in the 2009 King of Death Match tournament, and we uh, it wasn't real, real stiff. You know, we just made the shit look really fucking believable. And uh, but I hear he can knock the shit out of you, but yeah. we're we're just cool as shit, you know, with each other. So we never we didn't have to kill each other. But, but Necro hits hard, brain damage, uh, the range, pretty little, t- he's tight. Toby's smooth as silk, man. He, uh, he knows how to work. You know what I'm saying? He can go out there and make it look yeah. brutal. And, and I can do the same thing, but a lot of these guys, they, they, they want you to hit them hard. I'm like, oh, all right, all right. right. Like, Drake's another kid. He would be like, you know, let's, I'm like, let's just work this shit. I worked him in a match with a knockout or a submission match, and, 
he had seen a match with Samoa Joe and B.J. Whitmer where Joe just kicked Whitmer right in the face as hard as he could, and Drake wanted me to do that. And I was like, man, let's don't do that. He goes, well, just kick me in the forehead. And I did, and it sounded like somebody hunting a football. And it right. fucking made my stomach turn. I was like, God damn it. And that's the stop. This <laughs> is ended right Yeah. Now. And uh, he's tough as nails. And he got up and kept beating my ass. And uh, yeah, Drake, Drake hit hard. All these guys, you know, if you piss them off enough, they're going to knock the shit out of you. And yeah. I try to avoid that. But sometimes it happens. And uh, Corporal, Corporal Robinson, he's a hard-hitting motherfucker, too. Ian's, Ian's pretty rough. Freak show, Lane. Pretty much anybody that's in the death match genre, they're, you know, they're, they're, there's no pussies out there. You can't be the dude right. shit. Uh, and I, I hadn't had a chance to work with, like, Murdoch. You know, I like to work with him. Um, you know, you were there, King of the Death, him and Gage, going, what, 50 minutes? Yeah, like, 50 minutes. Just, fucking awesome, you know, and yeah. you know, Gage made Murdoch earn every fucking bit of that match. And it was just sure. badass. And uh okay, I know I'm I'm getting off subject here, but That's know, it, was all right. just, it was just fucking that was just a fun ass match to watch. And uh sure. Fucking Tremont, you know, if he wants to I've I've worked him twice both matches went smooth. I'm sure he's another kid. If you fuck with it, he'd beat the fuck out of you. Luckily, I guess he likes me, so he, he didn't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so you got, you know, you got those infamous headbutts. Who's got the hardest head that you went head to head with? Oh man, uh, probably Corp and Toby Klein. Yeah, I know we, me and Toby did a spot in Joliet. And it was the first time my wife had been to an IWA show in a couple of years, and. Me and Toby did a spot where we did about 40 fucking headbutts, and we were both just woozy as hell. And she was like, y'all are just fucking stupid. You know, <laughs> like, what the hell is wrong with you? I got knots all over my head. And, uh, yeah, Necro, Necro was the first guy I really did the shoot headbutts with. And then the Carnage mm-hmm. Cup this year, me and uh, Corp, we, uh, I don't know how many we did. We did quite a few, and... Yeah. You know, I was a little woozy the next day. When did you start working for IWA Deep South? They had their first tournament in 2005, and I was booked for it. And it was the one that got shut down in the middle of the okay. show because uh, the Dustin Lee got cut pretty bad, and they called an ambulance. And then, you know, those people had no clue what the fuck they were getting into when they walked in that building. You know, it, it said, you know, King of the Death matches, whatever, but they didn't know they were going to, you know, light tubes and fucking weed whackers and shit. Right. And luckily I had my match with a freak show before, the, you know, we and we didn't do nothing too crazy. You know, we just played around with some barbed wire a little bit and bled and that was it. And then Die Hard got hurt and then the show got shut down. And then he rebooked it for later on in the year. And uh, I worked Hellaware Assassin in the first round, Ian in the semis, and then uh, Big Necro in the finals. And we, uh, you know, Kevin, he's he's a fucking weird character. He's all like, you know, can you wrestle without the shirt? And I was like, yeah, you know, ain't no big deal. And I guess he wanted to see the back color because we were doing light tubes or whatever. And 
right. Short Neck Road, did a double song, one, two, three. And then uh, he started running like, man, he'd run a couple of shows a year and he would book me and Iceberg and uh, I would get, I would try to get other guys booked that, that lived around me so I wouldn't have to travel by myself or whatever. And one of my best, best friends, Andy Alexander, I got him booked on a couple of shows. And I and then I, I moved off and I was in the 07 Carnage Cup. I flew in from Ohio to do that one in Pulaski, Tennessee. And then I was mm-hmm. booked for the one in 2008 and then got unbooked by a message board. I didn't even know that I wasn't booked anymore. So me and Kevin had, we, we, we had a little bit of heat over that. You know, he never, you know, called me or texted me or instant messaged me and said, hey, I'm going to take you out of the tournament. It was just, I'm looking at a message board. It says, uh, Tank is no longer in the tournament. I was like, well, that's fucking nice. So I actually called right. him and threatened to come down and, and fucking kick his ass. And then right. apparently he had some, like, armed security there just in case. <laughs> I was still in Ohio. I was like, fuck him. And then uh, I'd I, I laid low from the deathmatch scene from, like, I wrestled Masada in 09 and didn't do another deathmatch till like, 2014 or 2013, I worked Tremont at Carnage Cup in Tullahoma, Tennessee. Right. Just to see if I still do it, you know. I kind of had my doubts I could still go with these guys, and I wanted Tremont in the first round, and I got him, and then went out there. I thought we had a pretty good fucking match, and you know, and I got the you still got it chant, and that really meant a lot to me. I was like, man, right. I can still do this, but I don't want to do it mm-hmm. as much as I was, you know. If I could do it once a year, I'm 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 cool with that. I'll sure. hit my quarter for this year. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, the the tournament has really seemed to have had downwards, and um, I mean, the, I think the promoters half retarded at at the very least half retarded. Um, I mean, the the thing that he posted and he put out on the internet. I don't know if you read that, but um, it. It's very threatening to, I think, the deathmatch scene as a whole. Um, Murdoch came on the show. He agreed with it that, um, you know, it's it's a pretty scary notion that he's putting things out there like that. Did you read what he put out? Or yeah, you uh, you shared that, and I even messaged you, and I was like, "What a fucking idiot!" Oh, so, yeah. Let's just do the fucking deathmatch tournament. I mean, it's like he's all worried about trying to outdo tournament of death or Ian's king of the death or. Mm-hmm. Uh, Masters of Pain. Fucking just do your tournament, man. Don't worry about who the fuck's gonna die. You know that, right? And, you know all the okay. I, I'm against the fucking razor wire. I don't like that shit because that shit's unforgiving. Right. Barbed wire you can work with. Razor wire you can't fucking work with. You go in that you're fucked. And uh, right. just uh, you know when you get some of these guys in here, I'm not gonna mention no names who aren't even fucking trained. You know. I try to tell some some guys who want to dabble in the fucking deathmatch, I'm like, fucking learn how to work first and then do deathmatch. You know, fuck you with it and you're going to fucking hurt somebody. And, you know, what what these guys do in their matches, I'm just like, you know, y'all, hey, it's y'all's body and y'all do the fuck you want to with it. At least I'll be able to walk out on my own. We are going to get fucking carried out with razor wire hanging out of your neck. You know, that raises what I was saying, man. I mean, a bad bump, you go in head first, you're fucked. You know, you're going to cut yeah. something that's not supposed to be cut. And you know, when accidents right. happen, 
And, you know, like, like you know, Nick Gage down there died. He's a fucking professional wrestler. I mean, he, he knows how to work. Right. But what about these guys who don't know how to work and who just came out of the fucking backyard just to be on a show and somebody fucking dies? I mean, who's going to be held responsible for that? Yeah. And I, that's the thing. Uh, you get one of these deathmatch shows and a guy dies on the show, I don't care what company's running a deathmatch tournament. It's not happening. It's just not happening. No. It's going to hit national news, and it's not happening ever again. So uh, I just think it's really irresponsible. And, uh, I mean, you know, to put out the most you'll do, if the most you'll do is tubes, tacks, and barbed wire, don't look to get booked. Like, what What kind of shit is that? Like, I, you know, I'm, I, my buddy Jeremy, you know, he, he hasn't seen as much of the older CCW stuff, so I'm, I'm pulling out DVDs, old stuff. You know, look at this 200 light tube that uh, Gage did with Nate Hatred back in, you know, back in Delaware, back in the you know, mid-2000s. And, and we're watching this. It's just insane. And he's, his mind is blown. And I'm like, you know, just a reminder, this is only light tube, so this isn't good enough for uh, Kevin over there. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what the fuck? What, are you crazy? How could that not be tough enough? Or how could that not be extreme enough for anybody? I mean, to me, the glass is enough that, you know, when my, my my first death match tournament I did with Deranged, uh, we had, it was like four corners of a pane or something, and we had like a barbed wire board and a board mm-hmm. with light tubes taped to it, and we had mouse traps. And, you know, and Corp was like, save the glass for the finish. Right. That's exactly what we did. You know, when we went through the thumbtacks, we went to the mouse traps, we went to the barbed wire, but then when I hit the roll in the corner with the light tubes and the place erupted, we were the first match that had the light tubes in it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, with Kevin, he wants light tubes in every fucking match. You know, yeah. build up to it. You know, I'd listen to you and Masada uh, right. podcast. And, you know, the deal about doing tournaments, you know, the way Masada, it was like, you should get eight guys who have heat with each other you know, build up to a big final, you know, it is kind of silly that we just go out there and be like, well, let's just beat the shit out of each other and then go home. You know, it's just got to mean stuff, you know, and, you know, build up to the big glass matches, you know, don't use like tubes in every match. Don't mm-hmm. use, uh, uh, like I said, you know, me and Corp in the Carnage Cup, you know, we were sitting back there and we're like, fuck, these people have seen everything there is to see. And we were mm-hmm. like eighth match, and we we're like, "Fuck, we'll just do what we'll just do what we do, and let's beat the piss out of each other." That's exactly what right. we did, and we used the fucking light tubes for the fence. He gave me the boot camp off the second rope, threw some tubes, one, two, three. You know, it's right. you know, it's not like ding, 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 light tube, light tube smash. You know, and some people get off on that shit. Personally, I don't. Yeah, you know, I like for it to make some kind of. You know, makes sense. You know, so I've had people give me shit about when I worked in Sada, he beat me with a chair shot. And uh-huh. I'm like, okay, I had skewers stuck in my head. That was the whole visual effect. Chair shot with skewers in my head. One, two, three. It's not, you know, you don't have to kill somebody. You just got to get them down for fucking three seconds. You know what I'm right. saying? You just got to get them down for three seconds. And uh, sure. that's why I wish some people would kind of figure out, like, uh, you know, I don't have to do all this flippy shit off a top rope through a spider web net or some shit. Go out there and fucking entertain the people. Fuck the weed I don't that weed whacker spot, I fucking hate. Because that shit hurts. I don't give a damn with anybody. Yeah. And just to do it to get the uh out of the crowd, I'm like, ugh. 
You know, Mondo did it years ago. That should have been the only fucking time done. Oh, I saw one where Zandig took it, and it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, the team of death this year, Brian Woods took it, and I was in the back like, man, I was like, don't do that shit. But he, he was all for it. So what? Yeah, it was a non-tournament match. He took that, too. Yeah, I'm like, you're already eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, you, if, you, if you're going to do that, do it in the finals. Yeah. Shit. You know, uh, and, the, and that tournament, they got shut down. I was supposed to work Brandon Profit in the finals, and he was wanting me to fucking weed whack his forehead. And I was like, oh, you're shit. a fucking idiot. I lose an eye. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know, what if I actually – exactly. What if I – have a what kind of landscaper you think I am? <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ, man! Just go out and entertain these people. You know, make it. You know, I love deathmatch wrestling. I fucking love it. I love to watch it. Yeah. I love to do it. But some of the shit I saw at Carnage Cup, I was like, man, I were a bunch of fucking idiots. You know, going through the fucking boards with the with the with the fans, and like fucking on or whatever. I'm like, yeah, this is too much for me. Yeah, and then if he's posting that shit, hey, Kevin did send me a message. He's like, you know, you want to do a barefoot? I know nothing barefoot. All right, sensitive feet. I'm fucking diabetic. I mean, I just step on a rock. I'm gonna. I feel like I need to go to the fucking ER or something. Hell no, I'm not doing a fucking barefoot cusset plate match or whatever the hell. All right, you know, and and that's all I'll do is thumbtacks and light tubes. So I guess I'm out of this tournament. Then I can't do anything more than that. Yeah, it's just crazy too. Like you said, get trained, but you know, if you have a promoter saying, "Hey, if you know anyone who's who's willing to almost die, uh, private message us." It's like, holy shit, this is this is not even right. You know, and, and 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 all that's going to be is some fucking shit bird that's going to come out of a backyard. He's yeah, willing to stick something sure. to their fucking face or drive off the fucking building through. I don't know, man. I just. And then the guys who are trained, the guys who who make this shit look good, it makes us all look like you know, you know, it it puts, I guess, a bad name on us too. You know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not the best deathmatch wrestler out there. I think I'm pretty good, but when you got even like untrained guys who do matches now, I mean, it just it's an embarrassment to what we fucking do. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and this, especially when they shit on everybody who's done the top-notch matches, the no-rope barbed wires, uh, you know, and done them well, and then say, well, that's not tough enough for our company. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but King of the Death match this year, um, you had the first-round match with Tremont. Um, you know, the, <laughs> you had a lot, of, a lot of issues going into the match. You know, the, the weather wasn't fully cooperating. Uh, the lights were going on and off. Uh, or trying to, you know, get light and power to the building. And, I mean, you guys powered through and had an excellent match. Um, definitely my favorite first-round match. And um, I don't know. Um, you know, what was your thoughts on it going in and how the match came out? Oh, um, I, I fucking loved it. You know, I, I knew I was in good hands when I was in there with fucking Tremont. You know, he's a mm-hmm. fucking top-notch. He's a class act. Uh you know, he very, very respectful. You know, with Carnage Cup, he told me, you know, he was he was just, like, excited to meet me because he'd watched, you know, Wildside and Anarchy and stuff. And, and going into the match, you know, with the, with the with like you said, the fucked-up conditions, the, the, the ring's wet, and the lights going in and out. 
And and I really wanted the basis of the match because it was a Boro match. I'm a big Dusty Rhodes fan. I was like, you know, we can do all this fucking shit with the cactus and the barbed wire boards, but I wanted the main focus of the finish to be with the cowbell, and that's exactly what happened. You know, I told him to come mm-hmm. off the top and knock the shit out of me, and that'll be the end of that. You know, like I said, you just get me down for three seconds. That's all you got to do. And uh, right. I wish we could have, you know, I wish maybe they would have canceled the show before our match, and we would have had that first match Saturday afternoon when it was fucking beautiful outside. And right. the visual of it would have been a lot better because we both bled buckets. I don't know if you could be able to tell on the on the tape. You know, that's the whole thing to me is, like, you know, how my color look. <laughs> Whatever. Right. And I think uh, during the – if we'd have had that match during the, during the afternoon, it would have, it would have been a little bit better. But, you know, working the cactus and the barbed wire, I mean, I felt like we had the crowd in the palm of our hands. You know, I, we gave them what they wanted. And uh right. it was brutal and very safe that we were both able to fucking walk out with no injuries, you know, and just go to the hotel and chill out. But I, sure. it was one of my favorite matches I've done in death matches because it was, it was easy. Nobody got hurt. and And I had a good time doing it. You know, it was it was fun, you know. And that's the thing about it. Everything I want everything to be fun. You know what I'm saying? And not just mm-hmm. fucking go out there and beating each other just for the sake of beating the shit out of each other. You know, make it make it make sure. it a little bit of sense or whatever. But I thought, you know, and I'm I appreciate you saying you thought it was the best match in the first round. I I thought it was pretty good. It felt good. Yeah, yeah, I really think so. I mean, the tournament was just so amazing. You know, top to bottom. So there was a lot of, um, you know, definite candidates for that. I mean, Brian Woods and J.D. Hart killed it. But um, yes. I just, yeah, I personally like the way that, you know, you and Tremont went in there. And Tremont, you know, coming off of um, being the Tournament of Death winner. And a lot of times you get these first-round matches, and it's just like, you already know, like, that guy's going over. No maybes about it. He wrestled um, Josh Crane in the first round of Tournament of Death. And it wasn't yeah. bad. It wasn't bad. But it was like a no-brainer. There's not a chance in hell that Josh Crane's winning this match. And, you know, at least Tremont going in up against Tank in the first round, you went, well, shit, he's got a hill to climb here because I know what Tank can do. So, to me, it told a little bit more of a story like, shit, (laughs) you know, this is not going to be an easy first round. So that's what did it the most for me. You know, that's one thing I was worried about was, like, you know, it's Tank and Tremont first round. Like you said, you know, Everybody thinks Tremont's going to win, but then I think there was a few people out there thinking, well, Tank might win this son of a bitch, you know. He mm-hmm. might break his streak and finally win a match in the first round after eight years. <laughs> but no, I just, right. uh, uh, I am the king of the one and done. I love it. Anyway, <laughs> we, uh, I think I, th- I told you that at the tournament. Now I'm, I, I love the one and done shit. But yeah, the whole, uh, you know, I think there's a few people thinking, man, Tank might win this. You know, and not, you know, when we hit each other, you know, we were out there. I think people thought, you know, after I put him through the fucking barbed wire board, that was it. You know, but like you said, it was so dark and I had blood in my eyes. I couldn't see. And I was like, okay, we need to, you know, finish this before one of us does get hurt. Because like I said, you know, the fucking ring was slippery and that's just the worst feeling, blowing a knee out, just, you know, walking across the fucking ring apron or something. Sure. But, uh, so and then I sat there um, all day Saturday and pretty much watched every match and and it wasn't a bad match even even with the girls 
I thought they were right. fucking impressive. Uh, the the chick in California, the pumpkin face, uh, Supreme's daughter. Uh, I thought they was yeah. very fucking good. And uh, yeah. Lou, uh, Lou Dark, I thought she was awesome. Yeah, she is. Uh, the Kathy, Kathy Owen and that real skinny girl. Uh, I was kind of iffy about that because I think the Kathy chick took advantage of her because, you know, she just beat the shit out of her. Mm-hmm. And Randy West is good. I've never seen her work. You know, I've met her. And actually, my favorite character of the whole first uh, of the Queen was Thunder Kitty, though, the whole old school May Young. Yeah. Chick. You know, I, I thought she was awesome. Yeah, she's and got I went really back and watched YouTube videos work. of her, and man, she is she's so fucking good too. Yeah, but then again, I you know the 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 compassionate side of me, I'm, I just want to you know I even told that sage girl, me and my wife both, we we're like, you're too cute to be doing that shit. Quit cutting your fucking head. Just <laughs> 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 evil matches or whatever. <laughs> oh man, but they were all impressed. I was impressed with everything, and. Uh, then the second and third rounds of the tournament, like I said, Gage and Murdoch was awesome. Sam Masada and Tremont go at it. That was badass because I think those are your top two out of five American deathmatch wrestlers all right there working each other. Uh, Masada Absolutely. and Tremont. And then, and then fucking Gage, he's just so fucking – he is just – I'm so glad he, he he's he that he's doing well, you know, out mm-hmm. of prison and just like the way he gets the crowd so pumped up is it was giving me goosebumps, you know what I'm saying? And he was sure. such fucking phenomenal shape. And he really looks like somebody that'll go out and beat the fuck out of you. <laughs> yeah. like, oh shit. And uh and it was good to reconnect with him, you know. I mean, I hadn't seen him in forever. He just sat in the back and shot the shit. And, you know, I just told him that I loved him, and I'm glad he's doing fucking good. And he fucking appreciated that. He was like, man, I fucking appreciate that. And then after my match with Tremont, he walks up to me and says, motherfucker, you, go, you still got it. And he goes, that was the best fucking match. And I was like, man, coming from you, that fucking means a lot. You're not for yeah. longer than him. You know, when you get respect from your peers like that, I don't give a damn what the fucking marks say. It's what the boys in the back say. That means more than sure. any fucking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, I just thought that was cool as shit. And just you get to hang out with Masada. I didn't see him in forever. It was, to me, it was just a big fucking, like, a family reunion. Toby was there. And I wish the yeah. range could have been there or whatever. You know, we all could just have sat around and shot the shit. Sure. Um, you know, you're a big fan of wrestling. Is Obviously, it's what got you into wrestling. Um, you know, some wrestlers try to pretend like, you know, they're above it, but... You're obviously a fan of, of what goes on. Um, who are some of your favorite guys to watch now, like whether it be TV or on the indies? or? Oh, man, I love watching Roderick Strong. Okay. No, he's just he's, – he's so fucking good. And uh, I got that Axis channel, so I get that, that, that New Japan show. Uh-huh. Okay, Nakamura is unfucking believable. Yeah, I love that dude. I mean, just he's so fucking good, and he's so his gimmick, his character is so crazy, and he's just so mm-hmm. fucking crazy good. You know what I'm saying? It's just like when yeah. you see him, you're thinking, you know, what the, this guy's acting like a fucking idiot, you know, doing his little dances and stuff. And his match with uh, Kevin Steen last year was the first time I'd ever watched him, and I was like, dude, this guy fucking rules. 
And he made Kevin Steiner like a million fucking dollars by letting him kick out yeah. his fucking finisher at one. And, mm. and I think Steiner's phenomenal. Or Kevin Owens, whatever yeah. you want to call him. Uh-huh. And, uh, man, but I love watching Roger Strong. I love watching uh, Nakamura. There's another couple of Japanese guys. It was on Wrestle Kingdom, uh, uh, Maccabee and Ishii. Yeah. Oh, okay. They just beat the piss out of each other. And I was like, man, this is, this is fucking wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, AJ Styles, of course. He's, I mean, I, I knew him from the wild side days, you know, before right. he made it. I mean, he he was so good then. I was like, man, this, I go, he ain't going to be here long. And then they, we went to Florida. He had a match with Christopher Daniels that was just off the fucking chain. And then that just, he went from, from that show in Florida to – the King of the Indies in California to Ring of Honor, you know, CZW, TNA, now New Japan. I mean, he's top five in the world by far. Sure. Uh, I did, uh, I worked some shows with uh, Luke Gallows, and uh, I really want to wrestle Carl Anderson. So he, he's doing some shows in the States now. And we'll, yeah. I've been trying to push with me and Iceberg against Gallows and Anderson because I think that'd be good shit. I think Kyle yeah. Anderson's fucking awesome. Uh, I'm, and I always read with some buddies of mine. They all love the Young Bucks. And uh, they're very fucking entertaining. I, I will give them that. I like, I hate to admit it, I like to fucking watch them because they don't tell them how many super kicks they're going to do and what kind of crazy shit they're going to do. <laughs> like, like PWG, right. you know, I'm more about the basic style of wrestling, you know, blah, blah, blah. Sure. But I love PWG. I try to watch as many shows as I can just because these guys are so fucking crazy and it's entertaining as hell. Another kid I saw at PWG last year, and I've been watching a lot of his matches on YouTube, so Zack Sabre Jr. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's pretty really phenomenal good. also. Kenny Omega. There's just so many guys out there that are just so fucking good. Right. They have more talent in their little finger than I'll ever have in my entire body. And I just, <laughs> I just love, like you said, I just love wrestling. Yeah, I, I watch some of the WWE stuff. I really like the NXT. Uh, I like some of the stuff they got going on. You know, it's just cool seeing guys that I work shows with who are fucking top superstars. You know, Tyler Black's a fucking world champion. Yeah. In 2005, if you would have said Tyler Black's going to be WWE champion, I'd have told you were full of shit. I know he's right. talented, but you know he is he's so fucking good and such a good guy. And uh, you know, you know, we're like like in my area, there's some good talent around here uh, that I I I just try to tell them I'm like you know, I work shows with these guys. We had to break the ring. I I, I broke the ring down with CM Punk and Brian Daniels. You know what I'm saying? Right. These guys think that they're too fucking good to do that shit. Because you had you know Brian Daniels before you know he was Ring of Honor champion was tearing the ring down at ends. With CM Punk and mm-hmm. Claudio, <laughs> you know, all right. Nobody's too good not to do that shit. And I, I, yeah. I, I try to teach that to some of these younger guys in my area. You know, I guess you've seen all my posts about chip birds and stuff. I mean, that's you know a lot of that shit really happens. I'm just like, this, y'all are yeah. an embarrassment to this goddamn business. <laughs> well, you've been doing story. a lot of the uh, the chip bird. Uh, you know, posts, and it's more or less like a Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, if you yeah. do this, then you're a shipper. Give me, give me a couple of, you know, a couple of shippers, and uh, 
You know, if you're doing this, you're a shit bird. Oh, shit. Man, I got tons of them. <laughs> <laughs> I know you uh, do. Oh, man. I, did, I have to go to my phone and find them. I, I use all my good material while I'm at work. I'll be sitting there doing something at work. I'm, oh, shit, I need to put this down now or I'll forget it. You know, like, you right. know, if you paint, you know, there's a show around here. The guy paints, uh, he, he painted fans on his walls to make it look like he's got a packed house. So I do, you know, if you paint fans <laughs> on your wall, you might be a shit bird. <laughs> Holy shit. He painted fans on his wall? Yeah, yeah, man. This dude named, uh, you, you can look him up. He, he else was the Nature Boy Polly. He's a total Ric Flair ripoff. Holy and, shit. Uh, I've never heard of exactly, that painted fans on the wall. He actually had Ric Flair on his show to endorse him as the new Nature Boy and stuff. And he he's a piece of work. Uh, you know, if you never if you never left your area in 15 years, you might be a shitbird. If you left for 17 years and only had 10 matches, you might be a shitbird. You know, uh, like, <laughs> there's, there's so many guys around here that that are like that. I, I worked a show in Georgia, and this guy's like, I've been in the business 20 years. Okay, that's cool. But, you know, just because you wrestle once a year for 20 years, that don't make you a fucking veteran. You know, I've right. been there 20 years, and my first five years were pretty much me just learning the business. I wouldn't say my career didn't start till 2001 when I went to Wild Side. You know, I had five years right. of learning, and then my career, if you want to call it that, started in 2001. And when I did finally decide to quit, I can't say I'm retiring, but I, I never made a living in this shit. You know, I've... I, I just quit, but you know, I just right. try to teach some of these younger guys just to fucking don't be an asshole. You know, go ahead and have some fun. <laughs> right. And, and uh, I was going to plug a couple of guys, man. So the, the listeners, uh, some, uh, Ryan Vega, he's a new up and coming guy. KT Hamill, uh, sure. they got they're all on Facebook or whatever. And then there, there, there's guys that I've worked with for a while, Sean Tempers and Ace Rockwell. Sean Tempers is like the longest reigning North American champion of all time. I mean, these guys are so fucking good. Uh, fucking Gunnar Miller, he was a linebacker for uh, the UTC Mocs. Now, he's a wrestler. He had an NXT tryout, and at the time told him uh, he wasn't really what they were looking for, so hopefully he'll he'll get another shot. He's, just a, he's a fucking beast. I, I worked him one night and or one day, and uh, he was going to give me the spear for the finish. And I'm like, you remember, motherfucker, this ain't football. <laughs> yeah. I'm old and take care of me. But, uh, you know, I just – and, like, in my area, there's just so many shows that run against each other. I'm just like, God damn, let's just all work together and we can make some money. You know, uh-huh. on a certain – you know, on any given night, there might be four shows in a 15-mile radius, and it's just like, you know, you get 40 people here, 40 people there. I'm like, if we all work together, we could have 300 people there. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And uh, and I, I'm i not sure how it is up, up north around your area. I know, you know, Combat Zone draws well, On Point, and uh, some of these shows. And, uh, well, I feel like, man, there's shitbirds everywhere. Sure. I'm sure not just in fucking Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm sure there's shitbirds all over the fucking country. Just because pictures I, I see of people and gimmicks they do. I was like, oh, my God, really? Absolutely. Um, but, so uh, what would you like to, uh, you know, with what you got left, you know, because you, you're not done yet, 
Um, what would you like to accomplish? And after 20 years, you know, if I quit right now, I would I would be happy. You know, there's really nothing left for me to do. I mean, just I'm just trying to to help out some young guys that 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 want to learn. You know, I, I I hate the guys you ask for criticism and you give it to them, and then they go and do the total fucking opposite. It's, it's stuff like right. that pisses me off. You know. I had so many good guys take their time to work with me. I sat there and I listened to them and, uh, you know, picked their brains. Like, I, I did a show with Ian, with Terry Funk, and I sat in a room with Terry Funk for two hours and just shut the shit with this man. One of the greatest right. days of my life. Bill Eady, the mass superstar. Me telling him the story about he was one of the reasons why I started watching wrestling. And he's like, man, that's cool. And we went out and we had a very basic old school match. Probably the best match on the show, and didn't do shit. You know, there's 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 more to it than how many fucking flips and cool moves you can do. You know, right. fucking if I get hit and I take a bump and I'm doing the Terry Funk show on the floor and I take a face bump on the floor, to me that's funny. That that's entertaining, and more people will remember that than the fucking fifteen head drops you did and then beat him with a small pack. Right. Uh, I, I I did a show a couple of years ago. These four kids, and to me the match was entertaining, but the crowd the crowd down south didn't give a shit about it. And I went out right. as a heel and had a gimmick that I didn't even have and worked that for five minutes or or ten minutes. I missed a spot. The kid rolled me up one two three and got more of, and got more of a reaction of a gimmick that I didn't even have. <laughs> right. You know, the whole Southern style to me, you know, it, it, it's different than the Northern style. I mean, if I went up north trying to do a old, an old-school Southern match, I'm going to get booed out of the fucking building. Right. You know, and, and I've had to adapt with the way wrestling has progressed. And uh, we all had to, or we'd be fucking, you know, we wouldn't be working anywhere. Right. I like the, you know, old-school shit. But, you know... I guess I would like to just leave a lasting impression on some of these younger guys around here. You know, like, and maybe he, he did know what the fuck he was talking about. Yeah. Uh, I, have you ever thought of, like, what, uh, getting involved in training or anything? I don't have the patience for it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've, had, I've had people ask me, and I, just, I don't really have the patience for the whole training of it. I will love, I will go and I'll work out with you and stuff, and I'll show you some things and talk to you, but as far as it's like, okay, run the ropes, do this, do that, I don't have the patience for that. I've tried it, and I failed miserably, and and people understand that. Just because you're a good wrestler don't mean you're going to be a good trainer. And that's another problem, is you got shitbirds training shitbirds who train more shitbirds. (laughs) Shitbird factors. Exactly, man. And I (laughs) I listened to a, a Dr. Tom Pritchard interview the other day, and Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I, I'm honestly gonna try to get a hold of this man. He, he lives in Knoxville, and see how much he charges to do a seminar. Because just to sit and shoot the shit with him would be fucking priceless for these guys. You know what I'm saying? Because he is so fucking smart yeah. about this business. Or Tracy Smothers, and uh, I know Ricky Morton's got a school in Tennessee. Now, he's another guy. If you can't learn from him, then there's something fucking wrong. And he's probably one of the best sure. baby faces of all time, next to Ricky Steamboat. Marcellers is yeah. what I mean. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just. I mean, a lot of these guys, they they feel like what they see on Ring of Honor, you know, that's what they should base their wrestling off of. I'm like, you know, there was wrestling before Ring of Honor. You know what? Yeah. Now, hell, WWE Network's got tons of old shit on there. Well, you know, just, just watch some of that stuff. And then mm-hmm. progress to the Ring of Honor stuff. And personally, I, I like Ring of Honor. It, it's entertaining. It, you know, it's good shit. But, you know, learn from the 70s and 80s on on how they did shit. And then, like I said, progress to the Ring of Honor stuff. Yeah. And I know... And, uh... I don't know. That's, that's the only thing I have is this... I like to leave an impact on some of these guys around here. Like, like I said, is you know he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Mm. If you had to put together like a you know a three matches, you know as a a compilation tape or an audition tape or something for somebody who you wanted to you know get hired through, what were the three matches that you would put on that tape? Oh, Man Iceberg from Hardcore Hell in two thousand two. It was the Cage of Horrors. It was it was good. It was very good fucking match. Me and uh, Phil Shatter, he ended up wrestling as Gunner in TNA. He's another fucking phenomenal talent. Okay. Uh, I had a match with him at Anarchy. That was just fucking badass. And if I was going to do like a death match, it would probably be me and Tremont from this year. Nice. Uh, the, I think those three matches. You know the iceberg was it was it was a hardcore match, but mm-hmm. the shatter was a uh, fucking uh, not technical, but it was a fucking wrestling match. It was just wrestling, and then we came mm-hmm. over the death match shit. But right. uh, I do have a match coming up August seventh. Uh, I'm in a tournament here in Chattanooga called the Scenic City Invitational, and I'm wrestling Congo Kong in the first round. That. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Now he's getting a lot of press with the, you know, he's working for Jarrett and the right. Global Wrestling Federation, whatever it's called, and uh, and I got to do a little bit with him at King of the Death in an eight man match, and uh, I think uh, you know like a, a lot of the guys in the tournament, it's going to be more technical. And I think me and Congo are just going to be the, the two guys beating the piss out of each other. Uh, yeah, he looks pretty good. I just love yeah. the gimmick, you know, the fucking face paint and the fucking wild hair. And then shooting the shit with yeah. him in the back is like talking to a dude who's like an electronics manager at Walmart. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a cool cat. Um, so what do you think about the Saints this year coming up? Oh, man. Uh, I was a little disappointed them getting rid of Jimmy Graham, but uh, I, I think we'll be all right. Hopefully the NFC South won't be as fucking pussy fight as it was last year. Last year was just a goddamn mm-hmm. embarrassment. You know, Panthers getting in on a 79 record. I mean, yeah, like the, Saints, the Saints could have fucking made it with a 79 record, but the fucking Panthers beat them. Yeah, you know, I truly feel like the NFL should fucking, uh, you know, even if you're a 79 and you're a fucking conference champion and you have to play a team that's 12-4 and four wild card, you should go to their place. They should reseed this shit to where, you know, on, on, on the best records instead of just go, I was a conference champion, we get to host a game. I, I think that's bullshit. 
I think if you don't break 500, your conference should lose a, a playoff spot and, and create another wild card. Because, I mean, yeah, if the team's, you know, 12, 12 and 4 and they don't make the playoffs and you're 7 and 9, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense for you to be sitting there. It just doesn't. You know, you have one division that's dominant and better than, you know, the three other division leaders. I don't know. It's just crazy to me. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I have no problem with that. We were, me and some buddies, I thought we did talk about football at work. It's a wonder we get any fucking thing done. No, it's almost fantasy season, so we're already talking about trades and drafts and shit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're just, uh, <clears throat> we, were, we were talking about that, too. It's like, yeah, the last year, the Panthers shouldn't have made it. They should have gave that other wild card spot to, you know, somebody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm sick of hearing about the Tom Brady shit. Just fucking either suspend him or not. I'm just ready for football, man. I fucking love football. I know you told me once before you're not a big college fan. I love college football. Tennis, let's go balls, balls for life. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, yeah, I can't, I just I can't follow college. Too much going on, but I absolutely love football. And, uh, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this season. I, I, yeah, I just wonder how you feel about the Jimmy Graham thing because I could see people feeling both ways. I mean, he's a superstar, but, you know, he did – he was one of the first tight ends to step out and want to get paid like a receiver. And I wonder if that's, you know, a little bit of a headache on the team overall. I mean, you got a guy like Drew Brees, he could hit targets no matter who they are. And uh, I don't know. And I, that's, that's a big salary too. So now I mean, he's a Seahawks. Yeah. So I hope he breaks his legs, but yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. I, it's, you know, they, they never really said what the deal was. I'm thinking he was a pain in the ass to work with. You know what I'm saying? He was yeah. probably bitching and moaning, and they were like, fuck this. You know, let's get him the hell out of here before he breaks the fucking bank, for one. You know, and like you said, he, he's a phenomenal fucking tight end. And I know yeah. you probably hate that he's going to fucking Seattle since that's your big nemesis. Yeah, that's why I wish him nothing but the worst right now, though. And then what about all... Like all y'all's defensive superstars fucking quitting. I mean, do you yeah. think that's just a thing because Harbaugh left? Do you think it's like they're gonna sit out of here and then go somewhere else, or do you think no. they're gonna get fucking tired? No, I mean, nah, I mean it, it really seemed like Pat Willis had some kind of you know awakening and uh, became a holy man and just decided to up and leave. That was surprising. I expected Justin Smith to leave, so that was the one that wasn't a surprise, and he waited the longest to make the announcement. Uh, yeah. Chris Borland was an absolute shock, and I honestly, a lot of people don't get it, but um, I I was more hurt by that than Pat Willis leaving because Pat Willis uh-huh. was our guy. He was our, you know, he, we could hang our hat on Pat Willis, but he gave us a career. I mean, he had a you know, nice little end run to go, but when Pat Willis went out for half the season, Chris Borland, as a rookie, led the team in tackles week in and week out. I mean, the guy is a phenom, and he would have been our future. And he oh, yeah. time that Pat Willis stepped down. So for him to go, yeah, I'm done too. And it's like, what? This is the second-year player. What, what's go- Oh, man, that that hurt. That really did hurt. Um, you know, we got you know, some good. other pieces on defense. Um I, I think a lot of the defense is really going to rely on how Navarro Bowman looks. If he plays yeah, like he did yeah. two years ago, I, I don't think we're going to lose that much ground. We got Darnell Dockett fired up on the defensive line now. Uh, you know, we got some we got some weapons there, but they played great for us last year. I think our offense is absolutely going to be improved. I think there's no way for them not to be improved. 
You lose Gore, he's a veteran, but you pick up Reggie Bush, who's one of the best screen pass guys in the league. Uh, you got a long ball in Torrey Smith rather than the bust, the Crabtree. And I I think we gained a lot. Okay, what about – okay, I'm going to ask you a question. What is your take on Kaepernick? What do you really feel about him? It makes a lot of sense. think he's a deal, or you think – uh, I think he's got all the weapons in the world, and he just needs to fine-tune his stuff. He needs to get his stuff right with as far as the, uh, you know, play clock management and um, just decision-making and, and not crack it under pressure. They said he worked a lot with Kurt Warner in the off season, and that he has a whole different motion and a whole different um, way of running an offense. I'm hoping that's true, and if that's true, I mean, he's, he's going to be super dangerous this year. Plus, like I said, having a, you know, Reggie Bush to dump the ball off to and a legit long ball threat in Torrey Smith, I think that gives him a lot more options. But um, if he doesn't get his shit right as far as, you know, decision-making, there's too much money on the table. This is probably his last year. This is do or die for him. Oh, yeah. And the thing thing about New Orleans is, uh, you know, know, Graham left this year. The thing that really bothered me or really hurt me was when they got rid of Sproles last year. Because he yeah. was so, you know, he was he was better than Reggie Bush at the Reggie Bush position, in my opinion. You know, he was a little guy Absolutely. he could stop it off to. He had all ass. You know, and seeing him, yep. I go to the uh, Saints-Falcons game every year in Atlanta. And, like, first time I'd ever seen him live was two years ago. And, like, you know, he wasn't but, like, 5'7", but his fucking legs were just enormous. And I was like, yeah. good Lord. And he is just so fucking fast. And when they got rid of him, I was like, what the fuck? And uh you know, and they they got some some decent little running backs now. I mean they Sean Payton's the tops, you know, if you fumble too much, you're fucking gone. You know, that's your thing. If you fumble, blah blah, you ain't gonna have a job. And right. and Breeze, you know, uh Marcus Colston, I think he you know, he he's still good, but he's not the Marcus Colston six, seven years ago. You know, he's been right. injury prone and you know, we're going to, you know, get rid of Jimmy Graham. I, I guess we still got Benjamin Watson. You know, he's all right. Uh, we need to get us a decent tight end or we're going to – I think we'll be in trouble. Because our, our running game, like I said, is decent. You know, and I know they drafted a couple of offensive linemen. And uh, they they actually drafted a kid that went to UTC named Davis Toll. And he uh, set, like, combine records. So, hopefully he'll get some playing time just to see, you know, a local guy. And then after right. he's playing for my team, I'm going to be the first one to get a Davis Toll jersey, just whether he fucking makes it or not. But I thought that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that 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 my my hometown college got drafted by the New Orleans Saints. But you know, sure. I, like I said, I love the, I just I just love football, man. You know, I don't follow basketball that much unless it's playoffs or the or the NCAA tournament. And fuck yeah, yeah. baseball is just boring as shit. I mean, yeah, I, I support the Braves, but they do so many fucking off-the-wall, off-season moves. You know, they're saying they're trying to build for the new stadium in 2016 or whatever the hell it is. I'm like, fuck that. What about now? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they got rid of uh, Jason Hayward and, you know, and the Upton kid. But then they brought, you know, and they're paying Marcakis a shit ton of money, and he ain't doing nothing. Mm. Yeah, if you're going to do that, just yeah. do the whole fucking team, bring the Gwinnett Braves, the AAA team up, let them fucking play, you know? Yeah. 
I don't know if you follow baseball. I I try not, not to at all, always get sucked into it any fucking way. The strike pretty much killed me. I used to watch baseball. The strike pretty much killed me. It, it they stayed off for long enough for me to stop caring. And the only yeah. thing that um you know, I, like I found other shit to do. Baseball was off. It was like, all right, let me go find other things to do. And maybe even leaned me more towards wrestling at the time. I started watching more of the, the WWE stuff and the ECW. And it might that baseball might actually help while turning me off from them, but turn me a little more in, back into wrestling where I was a little off of it for a while. And then, um, you know, I, I got into the home run race with everybody on steroids. And then once that died down, that was pretty much it. Oh yeah, you know, well, okay, man, fucking, let them all take steroids. You know, eight hundred foot home runs are are fucking entertaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's insane too because you know you had McGuire and Sosa and all these guys that doubled in size. They're all you know shaking hands with the president and you know hanging out and everybody's all over TV and their veins are coming out of their neck. And, and Barry Bonds is just being the player he was. Years later, he's like, all right, you can't beat him. Join him. Watch how I do steroids. He does them, and now now he's like the, you know, <laughs> bury that guy under the jail. Like, oh, come on. Oh, no, yeah. He just he just decided to do what everybody else was doing. Oh, yeah. And fucking A-Rod. And, you know, I don't know. Fuck him. Let him all take him. Yeah, you know, it's fucking jack him out of his, you know. Raise it's the fence, fucking do whatever you got to do. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I like to see home runs getting hit out of the fucking stadiums. Those are pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, like I say, you know, I've just uh, we got a uh, we got a minor league team here, the Chattanooga Lookouts, and uh, Byron Buxton. He was like the number one draft pick for the Minnesota Twins, or the the Double A team for the Minnesota Twins. And uh, I went yeah. down to watch him play one of the first games. I'm glad I did because he got called up, and then like his first game, the majors fucking got hurt. I'm like, good god. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I forget what stadium it was, uh, but when McGuire was bombing them and they were going out of the stadium into the water, they had the people out there with the canoes. Yeah, yeah, probably San Francisco. Yeah. I think it's the San Francisco stadium. Man, I got a funny story about that shit. Uh, me and my dad, like, you know, we're only an hour and a half from, from Atlanta. My dad, he's a huge uh-huh. baseball fan. And McGuire was stuck on, like, 59 home runs, 59 or 60. And they did a uh-huh. three-game series in Atlanta. So my dad was like, we're going to every fucking game because we might see history. I'm like, yeah, let's go. We we drove back and forth three games. And that fucker went like one for 12 in those three games. And I was like, what the fuck? And then he goes uh, to <laughs> St. Louis like two nights later and hits like four home runs in three games and breaks the record. And I was like, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah, and then, Just yeah, avoided yeah, it, huh? <laughs> We've had the worst luck with the Braves. We went to one game, they played the ball, and they were losing 6-1. to one, And we left in, like, the seventh inning. And then, like, got stuck in traffic, and we turned the fucking radio on. And then the Braves, you know, did this miraculous comeback and win in, like, 13 innings. Like, God damn it. I never see cool shit like that. Yeah. And the fucking – luckily, each uh, – I've only been to one Saints-Falcons game where the Saints lost. Uh, this one they had Michael Vick and that motherfucker – it was one of the games where they fucking hit him and he comes limping off the field like he's fucking dead. And I'm happy as hell. He he stays <laughs> yeah. out for like two plays and comes back and runs like a 67-yard touchdown. I'm like, oh, you working motherfucker. He was working the shit out of, out of that. I'm like, bastard. 
And then yeah. the next year was when uh, they reopened the Superdome and then fucking uh, Breeze just fucking lit them up. And, like, they yeah. threw a touchdown pass, like, right before halftime. They went up, like, 24-3. to three. And it was the game where Vic was running off the field. They was flipping the crowd off because they were pulling shit. <laughs> yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I try to catch my team whenever I can. I lived in Ohio. I got to see them play uh, in Cincinnati and in, and in Cleveland. And uh, Detroit, man, fucking – me and my wife went to watch them play the Lions and, the, and Ford Field and – we had like forty five yard line season. I paid like twelve dollars for him. Just some guy wanted to get rid of him. You know, there's wow. maybe five thousand people there in this eighty thousand seat stadium and Breeze just fucking lit him up. You know, yeah. Breeze was like probably the best thing that ever happened in New Orleans, but he ain't getting any younger, you know. We're gonna have to No. We're gonna have to get him a quarterback and fucking let him learn, you know, and and I was really scared they were going to trade him off. You know, there was rumors going around they were going to trade to get fucking Winston. I was like, good God. And yeah, I, would, I was hearing that, too. I would, I mean, I would hate to do it. I'd probably fucking denounce him and be a Titans fan or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, people ask me I'm a Saints fan. It was, man, I was like 12, and they were on TV getting the shit beat out of them, and the fans had bags on their heads. And I thought that was the coolest shit ever. I was like, these guys suck <laughs> so bad. Fans wear bags on their head, but they still sell out every fucking game. You know, and then Dick uh, traded off every goddamn pick for three years for Ricky Williams. You know, that fucking turned yeah. out for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he yeah. wanted to get high. So. <laughs> yeah, and all he wanted to do was fucking smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is something else. But, yeah, man, um, I, I think that's about all I got. I mean, is there anything else you want to put out there? I mean, the floor is yours. Man, I just want to put out, uh, yeah, b- b- before we wrap this up, man, everybody say a prayer for my little town. You know, we had that attack last Thursday. And, uh, you know, I've I, I've been thinking it's kind of like an eye-opening experience for me, thinking, you know, this isn't supposed to happen in my little fucking town. You know, Chattanooga, we're not like a real big town, and then we get the – you know, they have, hadn't said if it was a terrorist thing or not, but, you know, move it strong, man. This is fucking, if you're listening to this, just say a prayer for the city, and we'll get through this, and, you know, USA, man. That's all I got to say. Sure. It's been a, the actual shootings happened. I, I, I work at a covered coal plant, and the shootings happened to about 150 yards from where we were. Wow. I wasn't at work. I, I was actually on night shift, and uh, they said you could hear the fucking gunshots. They were like, you know, what the hell? The people were outside, and the cops raided our plant. It was like, okay, shut this shit down. Everybody get in the fucking warehouse. They had to stay back there for like three or four hours. Oh, wow. It's just no a scary situation, man. This shit fucking happened here, and it's you know, that close to where I work, and luckily, you know, nobody... There was, I think they counted like six or seven bullet holes in our building. Wow. So the bullets were fucking flying, you know. And, uh, you know, it's all over the news. And like I said, man, if whoever's listening, say a prayer for my city. And move it strong, man. Yeah. And thanks for having me on, man. You're a cool fucking dude. I I like reading all your shit about your your fucking Spartan races and shit and talking pre-workouts with you. On Facebook. Yeah, absolutely, man. I probably knew one called yeah. Mr. Hyde, man. It's fucking me up. Every time I yeah, take it, I, I like that attack. one. 
I tried that yeah, shit. I didn't like it at all. Maybe I got a bad batch or something, but when I tried it, it wasn't shit to me. Man, it's they might have reworked it, though. I don't know what they did, but every time I take it, I, I've been taking that with this shit called Agmatine, and it feels like I'm going to have a heart attack every time I take it. My wife's like, well, quit taking it, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, man. Well, really thanks for having it. me on, bro. Absolutely. Anytime. Love to have you back on, too. Uh, thanks, Talk man. Talk football during the football we'll, season or something. Hell yeah, man. We'll, we can do like a fucking bi-weekly Saints Sucks segment or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, right, man. We'll shoot man. the shit about football, bro. I know it's about wrestling. We'll talk football. All right. All right, man. Take care, brother. Good luck with your races and stuff, man. Absolutely. Thank you, Tank. I right, see you, man. Thanks. Have a good night. Bye. There you go. There's Tank, man. He's a great dude. I knew I was gonna enjoy loving, you know, having him on. Uh, love talking to that dude. He's one of those dudes that I talk to, you know, private messaging shit all the time. Uh, there's certain people, you know, um, really hadn't seen Tank in person a whole lot. I swear to fucking God that I've seen him in Ring of Honor. That's not like. Me not fact checking my shit like a lot of these podcasts. I swear to God, man! Like, I remember walking into the building, and man, it had to be something else around here. Something about walking into the building, going, "Look at these two big motherfuckers," and going, "That one's bigger than that one." Holy shit! And it was because Iceberg was bigger than Tank. I don't know what the fuck, man. I, I hope he took like one too many chair shots, and he's wrong, and he did <laughs> Ring of Honor. But chances are, I'm probably wrong about this. Uh, is what it is, though, you know? I mean, shit, I did a little too much drinking, burning and shit in my day, so, I, I, you know, could be wrong. So, um, all right, so I'm, look, I'm going to play a track, come back, and uh, talk about a little, you know, a couple things, and then I'll take it home, all right? Check it out. Yes, when you rest at all. 
and um, I just brought it inside and put it, you know, on, on my desk over here. And um, I've been eating um, Grandpa's hot, uh, Grandpa's favorite. They're called. They're they, like these little, like purple peppers. They're tiny, tiny little motherfuckers. Those shits are fucking spicy as shit. So I've been eating those lately. Um, the cayenne, um, the dragon cayennes. But I've been growing those for years, so I'm very used to them. But they're they're fucking hot. Um, we ate a uh, purple naga the other day, which is labeled extremely hot. Um, you know, so I, I have a bunch of shit going on. I put this Regina's Hots over here, and <laughs> while my intro was playing, I took a bite out of it and was like, whoa, that's, that's pretty fucking hot. And um, so I chewed it, you know, drank some water, started the show, whatever. During the show, I was taking, like, a couple little, like, nibbles off this thing, you know, bite, taking a little bite off it here and there, but I was working my way kind of, like, around the the, uh, the seeds, and I had, like, a little bit of the pepper left and all the seeds. And after I finished the interview, I fucking just chomped off the rest of it with the seeds and all. And holy fucking shit, that shit was hot as hell. Um, I had to hit the bathroom anyway, but, man, I'm in there like, holy fuck, man, just down in the rest of the water I had. And now, uh, you know, the, the burning has subsided. Um, but. I decided, because um, we're having another barbecue on the uh, the 15th of August, and I've decided today, because I'm like, I want to incorporate peppers into this somehow, because, um, you know, I'm so into growing these things, and I have so many varieties, and it's fucking cool as shit to me, and um, I want to incorporate them into that, you know, in some form of game or something like that. Now... Yeah, you know, I had always liked to play beer pong when I was a, you know, heavy drinker. And um, number one, for the game, honestly, because, you know, I'd be pounding beers, you know, while drinking that, you know, while drinking the cups. So it was never really about like, oh, because then we can drink because, asshole, you can drink anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. You can pour, you know, 12 cups of fucking beer, you know, 10 cups of beer, down them one after another if that's what you want to do. Like, you don't need a game to do that. So, like, you know, there's there's the fun of it that, oh, yeah, drink whatever. But, I mean, you're just really making your beer a little dirtier and then drinking like you were going to anyway. So it was more the fun of the game and the experience and the fun with, you know, other people that I liked about it. So, it's one of those things that, hey, man, you know, I don't drink. I'm sober over two years now, but I still like that fucking game, you know. So um, the following year, uh, I started playing it with my oldest daughter with water. So we were playing water pong. And just, you know, fill the cups with fucking water. You don't need to drink the water, you know. Just really set them aside. So then the next game, you just put them back on the table. Um, so, you know, it's still a fun game that we play. And, um so I decided for this year, this shit will be the first, um, the first pepper pong that we will play. And what it's going to be is I'm going to, you know, go through my peppers. I, like I said, I probably got 30 varieties, something like that. Um, I got to see what's producing, you know, maybe a couple of plants aren't going to have peppers on them, man. I'll, uh, figure out everything that's producing, but still we'll probably have a good 30 varieties. I'm going to take, a uh, you know, very small Tupperwares, cut up peppers, and, um, you know, put a, a different type in each Tupperware. 
number the Tupperwares, and then number the bottom of the cups. And I have everything from sweet peppers to medium peppers to fucking the Carolina Reapers, which are the hottest peppers in the world. They're not ready yet, but I want to bet that we're talking almost a month from now. They will be. I have uh, peppers just starting to bud on the uh, peppers just starting to, to produce, you know, a little life. Like you can tell that it's a pepper starting on the Carolina Reapers, but, uh, but I have devil's tongues and I have, um, Maruga scorpions, which those are like not far under the Maruga scorpions were the world record holder before the Carolina Reaper was. So, um, those I have like big already and they're just, you know, just have to change color. But anyway, so I have like, you know, from the bottom to the top and you won't know what you have to try until you eat it. You know, you'll know it's a number three. You'll open that number three, take a piece, eat it, and, you know. So I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, that game. And um, Pepper Pong will be born on uh, August 15th. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Donald Trump's a fucking psycho, huh? That fucking guy, he just goes out. This guy is fucking running for president. And this guy just comes out and goes, no, I don't like him. He's an idiot. He's like, this fucking guy is like a presidential candidate, Judge Judy. Like, he just goes, and goes shut up. No, I don't want to hear that. Oh, uh, yeah? Oh, uh, yeah, did he Did he get caught? I like people who don't get caught. You know? Uh, oh, oh, he's a war hero because he got caught? Oh, yeah, man. It'd be better if he didn't. <laughs> like, he's just a jerk-off. And it, it's hilarious to watch, but the same token, like, you can't possibly fathom that this fucking guy is going to get away with, you know? Even winning the, the you know Republican seat, there's no fucking way. There's just no way. You know, and there's people that like to fucking hear him talk because again, I like hearing him talk because he's a fucking psycho, and it, it's better than some jerk off just lying to you for fucking months and months. Let this dude just spout off and you know tell the world who he fucking hates. Hey, by the way, I don't like that fucking guy either. Yeah, fuck him. Oh yeah, am I not supposed to say that? Good, fuck you too. You know, I mean, he just, he doesn't give a shit because, like, his, he's not worried by this. I mean, there's going to be, I mean, he's he's a fucking billionaire. He doesn't have to worry about just, like, okay, that was a failed campaign. Now what do I do? Like, he's still going to be a billionaire. Like, he'll lose some money. And quite frankly, um, these strong stances he's taken on, like, you know, other races and, and uh, you know, um you know, veterans and stuff like that, he's going to have a little bit harder time, you know, like he's, his hotel attendance is going to go down and all sorts of shit like that, but um, he doesn't give a fuck. It's not going to absolutely end him, you know what I mean? So it's, he's just fucking crazy, and it's kind of fun to watch, but <laughs> you'd be fucking high to think that this guy's going to run your country. Um Imagine, holy shit, he would really fuck things up. And he would tell you to your face, like, yes, yeah, okay, what are you going to do? Why don't you become president and we'll see how things work out? <laughs> like that. He would just, he, I mean, what can you do? Um, but yeah, he, he's something else, that fucking guy. Um, what else? What else? Um, oh, today I brought home a new pigeon. Funny, uh, you know, I tanked on talking about the shitbirds on the same day that I brought home a new pigeon. And um, 
I got to look up the breeds because uh, he's one of those pigeons with the fucking the fancy feet. They have, like, you know, big fucking frilly feet. And I uh, named him Jackson because he's got, you know, fucking tassels on his feet like the fucking Young Bucks. So I named him Jackson. But um, he's cool looking. Um, and I, I'm up to five pigeons and three ducks. But, uh, you know. I only planned on three pigeons, and it went up to five. I, I'm done with it. He just looked fucking crazy, and I had to have him, so I took him home. But, um, you know, that, that's what happens when you work in an animal shelter that, uh, you know, with the zoo and everything, and people just bring in, you know, pigeons and all these different things. And pigeons is one of those things that, you know, they were a pet at some point. There's no, there's no band. There's no tracking nothing we can really do with them uh you release a pigeon like that into the wild they're just like fucking hawk food you know something like that a hawk flying through the air looking for something to pick off pigeons are like these stupid clumsy flying birds and if if one's got fucking fluffy feet (laughs) and all sorts of different colors on them and shit like these ones uh, you know, he's he's dead as fuck, so there's not a lot of good options that you can go with for the pigeons, so you could send them back into the, you know, the pet trade, I guess, where, you know, people are selling, buying and selling, but that's not something we do, so, um, you know, me having, you know, room for one or something is uh, the best possible option for a bird like that. Um, obviously, there's rescues and stuff, too, but, again, some of these things wind up in... Uh, you know, back up for sale, depending on, you know, who you deal with. So, but, um, yeah, he, he's really fucking cool looking. Um, let me see what else. Uh, you know, I've been doing some pretty good shit with training. Um, Monday I, I did heavy fucking chest workout. Shit is still sore. Um, in the gym, obviously. And then, uh, came home, took my, uh, my little wreck bag up to the, the park a little 12 pounder the mini wreck and uh sprint drills it was still like 90 degrees out doing fucking sprint drills where you know you, you uh you know you throw the bag you sprint to the bag you throw the bag again you sprint back to the sideline and you keep doing that and working your way further and further away from the bag and just keep running sprints and sprints and then i would run sprints with the bag i was doing um um, the bag slams where it's like you do like a lunge and then take the bag from your side, slam it in front of you. Then you, uh, you know, pick it up, lunge on the other side, slam the bag, um, doing those, uh, more pushups on top of all the chest workout that I did. Um, box jumps with the bleachers. Um, what else was I doing? Tons of shit. Just, just tons of little, you know, different things that the and shit, and uh, you know, you accomplished quite a bit. And uh, yeah, that was that was a full fucking workout. Um, yesterday, I I didn't do a ton, but I decided that I just wanted to, to take the rec bag for a walk, so I took the big one, you know, the sixty pounder, fucking so threw it on my shoulders, and uh, you know, walked three miles with it. So it's a little under an hour of walking with 60 pounds on you. And, uh, you know, definitely it's one of those things. I, I love it. I think it's a great workout. 
and when you're going, the only thing that really bothered me this time, um, I had the tank top on and shit, was um, it really tore up my shoulders. It was like, you know, like rug burn on my shoulders. And you could really feel that at least halfway through the, the walk. You could feel that shit really wearing on your skin and stuff. Because most of the times, you know, it was a little cooler when I did the rec bag walk. So I'd have a t-shirt on. You wouldn't feel that. But, uh, yeah, from rubbing on my shoulders and shit, I uh, really, really fucking felt that. But otherwise, you know, I didn't feel any type of sore, really beat down or anything. Um, and then it's crazy because, like, as soon as you get in, you put that shit down, all of a sudden you're fucking your fucking legs, your ass, and all that shit just starts fucking tingling like a motherfucker, and then you start feeling like your muscles, like, fucking pulsing and shit. And uh, you always feel it, like, just afterwards, you know? So it's cool. It definitely, you know, gives you that feeling you definitely did some shit. But um, generally, like, you know, I guess the momentum or whatever the case is, generally don't feel it during. You know, it's like as soon as you put that shit down is when you feel the effects of it. So... Um, but yeah, um, I, today I wanted to prepare for the show and, um, yeah, I want to get my new pigeon home, clean the duck pen and all that. And then tomorrow it's back in the fucking gym and the park and all that stuff. And I'm just fucking going full force and, um, you know, results will speak for themselves, man. That's, that's what it's all about. You know, you put in the fucking work, you get the results that you, um, <clears throat> that you work for. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about, um, I guess I'll you know, touch on the WWE thing, but I don't, I I hardly remember what I watched. But um, Cammy fucking Sitch, um, fucking Sonny, this bitch posts that. Okay, who else thinks the two new red, purple, orange heads in the diva divisions are butterfaces? And Charlotte really has in-ring talent? Question mark. And, uh, you know, people responded to all sorts of shit. And then she said, I've never been a fan of women's wrestling. Leave it to the men. Uh, and my opinion of how someone looks is my opinion. And then uh, another post she said, on the other hand, I adore Lana. Hey, watch your mouth, woman. <laughs> More or less. I go with the dude that. That put that that chick in her place when she was yelling dumb shit at LeBron. Hey, watch your mouth, woman. Because this chick has put more disgrace on the fucking WWE Hall of Fame than anybody I've fucking seen. It's absolutely insane. She was a known fucking rat. She was known to be fucking... Shawn Michaels when she was with this one and that one and, and fucking with wrestlers when she was still with Candido and all that. And she's just trash. She's absolute trash. This broad is doing fucking Skype, paid Skype joints where you can see her play with herself online, like right now. Like, I don't know if she's doing it tonight, but I'm saying, like, she'll tell you, like, I'm Skyping tonight, serious inquiries only, but, like, there's screenshots of that shit that hit the fucking internet of her doing that shit, and, like, she's straight up prostituting herself, you know what I mean? And, um, doing all that webcam shit, you know what I mean? Like, it's just fucking disgraceful. 
and for her to be shitting on fucking women's wrestling and saying, like, leave it to the men, like, what the fuck kind of shit is that? Supposed to be some kind of uplifting fucking woman's fucking example for women? You know, when you're the motherfucker that that's accepting a Hall of Fame ring and, and, and being held up on some kind of pedestal as somebody is setting the fucking trends for women, and then they're out there busting their fucking ass in the ring, and you're telling them, leave it to the men. What the fuck kind of shit is that, man? One more time. Where is my man? Hey, watch your mouth, woman! So, yeah. Watch your mouth, woman. God damn it. Um, so, yeah, uh, WWE... I don't have a ton to talk about because I, I was on and off watching it. I wasn't paying a ton of attention to it. Um, like I said, I haven't watched WWE since the last pay-per-view. So, which was weird because they were running them like every two weeks. And I started to really, even without watching Raw, be like pretty up-to-date on shit because they were running the fuck out of pay-per-views for some promotion. And then they, they took at least a month off, maybe a little bit more. And um, now I'm behind again. So... Anyway, I um I watched the Brock Lesnar match. That that was really really good. Uh, I like that a lot. Um ah, let's go backwards. Um John Cena and Kevin Steen had another Kevin Owens had another match. I thought it was a really good match. Um the thing I have a little bit of a problem with is it's getting really really repetitive with the the um the finishing moves not not being the finish. Um, Steven took, I think, two John Cena finishes and one off the fucking middle rope and kicked the fuck out. I mean, I understand when these things are used to build suspense and, you know, when a guy's killing a guy with his finish every month or every week or whatever the case is, and then a guy occasionally kicks out of it, it's like, holy shit, that didn't finish him? But when every one of John Cena matches has to have fucking, um, like, three attitude adjustments before the finish, that, that that's fucking ass. That shit is completely fucking garbage. It, it just, it devalues your finish. Now it's just another move, you know? Like I said, I'm not against it happening at all, but I'm against it happening this often, man. This shit is fucking crazy. Like, everyone gets... It's like a video game where everybody gets their finish off, like, twice, and then you steal the other guy's finish once, and then the last time you hit your finish, then then it'll work. Because the other guy's mashing the buttons really fast, so you you can't hold them down for the three. That's, like, that's what the WWE has turned into. And crazy, because, like, the Young Bucks catch so much shit from so many people saying, yo, the super kicks, oh, so many super kicks, oh, super kicks used to mean something, this and that. But every WWE superstar that's up top is fucking shitting on their finisher, throwing it out three, four times in a match, and and that's okay. So, to me, it is what it is. I mean, the Young Bucks, I give them a ton of credit, and I, I think they're the best tag team in the world, and, you know, they, they work a different type of style. And their style, you know, consists of uh, that fast-paced shit, and, and the super kick is just another move. It's it's a trademark, you know, not trademark, but, you know, it's a signature move of theirs, but 
you know that you're going to see it hit from every angle, and it's just part of their matches. I don't know that that takes away from their actual finish, because for the most part, they hit the finish, and it's the finish. So I, I don't know. That Meltzer driver thing, I think that's the finish. I don't know. But, um, or more bang for your buck. I don't know. Either way, I'm not saying that, you know, they don't have false finishes. They absolutely do. But um, I'm just saying that, uh, you know, as far as the WWE doing it the way they do it, I don't think it makes them any better. And then for people to only criticize, you know, the ones because they don't like them, uh, I think it's silly. But um, I just think it's getting to be overkill. Um, speaking of overkill, uh, the Brock Lesnar and uh, Seth Rollins match was really good. Capped off with The Undertaker. And I don't give a fuck, man. I just don't give a fuck about anything The Undertaker does anymore. I'm all set. I'm all set on The Undertaker. That dude, so old, that when he was making his faces and shit that were supposed to be leading up to the choke slam, I thought he was going to have a stroke or some shit. Like, he was... He, he was having problems with with the faces, like like the waiting was was fucking him up. Like he was selling the waiting, like like it was a devastating maneuver. You know, Brock's getting up and shit, and he a couple of times now. You know, Undertaker's always done like the the crazy tongue shit to show like a demonic, you know, scary metal or whatever. There was a couple little tongue moves he did that that definitely just resembled like a fucking like an old man eating oatmeal. That that shit looked silly. He did like one of those like wet in his mouth shit because his medication is is drying out his mouth. Or, I mean, this shit was crazy. So now, okay, now we got Brock and Undertaker again. I mean, he already broke the streak. So him going into SummerSlam against the Undertaker for what? I don't understand, you know, what that what that does. I mean, it just they just never stop digging up these motherfuckers. They can't just sleep well enough alone. People have the hardest time walking away, you know, despite being millionaires. And I don't know. I mean, maybe someone else is super excited about this, so good for them. But uh, I'm just not into it. Just not into it. So I, I think that's all I got. A um, couple things I want to plug real quick is um um not that this is a plug for it because I don't have any of that yet but the shirts I got the graphics for it I sent them to the appropriate places and now you know it's just a waiting game to get these shirts made and everything else but let me tell you these shirts look fucking phenomenal and I'm so fucking oh, I don't know about the shirts but the graphics look phenomenal so if the shirts come out like the graphics look man Oh, man, this is going to be one of the coolest shirts you ever fucking seen. Front and back, that's the most I'll tell you as far as spoiler. Um, but this, this, these shirts are going to be amazing. So um, just just stay tuned. Everybody's going to be um, definitely put on to this once I get them and everything. And uh, I'm so excited. It's fucking awesome. Um, so that's not really a plug. Just wanted to mention that. Um, Andrew... From Stern Nation. Go to the Stern Nation Facebook page. He's doing some kind of show on Friday, I think, about some metal and, and, and things like that. So check out what he's up to. You know, stay tuned for that. Like I said, it'll be on the Stern Nation feed, I'm sure. And um, 
I'm sure he'll be posting all of that on the Stern Nation Facebook page. So check him out. That's my dude. Um, check out Masada at Exiled Artifacts. He's got his own business over there where he does uh, leather work and bone carvings and, uh, you know, those skull statues. He does, uh, you know, he, he does great work over there, support the dude, and um, and that, that's pretty much it. Oh, well, uh, you know, podcasts that are, that are good and, you know, you want to laugh and shit. The I Am Rappaport podcast, fucking hilarious. Listen to that shit. As well as the Monday Morning podcast with Bill Burr. And um, shit, man, fucking drop by. Enjoy the fuck out of them because they're funnier than I could ever be. These guys are professional. These guys are on fucking point. So fucking let them know. You heard that shit listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. They don't know who the fuck I am. The more people to let them know that shit, maybe maybe it helps me out a little and gets my name out there and, and lets you know that, you know, I enjoy the fuck out of these guys and now you do because you heard it over here. If you haven't heard them already, check them out, man. These, you know, Bill Burr, fucking Michael Rappaport. They don't need my fucking support. They don't need, you know, my plugs or anything like that. But uh, it, it couldn't fucking hurt. Uh, and for those who do like those two, um, they actually did a two-part podcast on the I Am Rap of War podcast where Bill Burr joined Mike Rap. So uh, check that shit out. Just fucking um, hilarious dudes. I love listening to them. I... So that I think that's all the shows I'm gonna um post this week and uh talk about this week I should say. Um now I gotta oh yeah, I put that under a number. Just trying to figure out where I put the uh the new outro. But yeah, um this show will be up in uh, you know, half hour or something, which is completely worthless if you're hearing me say that. All right, so I'll check you out next week. Um, not really sure. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a guest. Not sh- positive on who, so I'll tell you then. All right. Talk to you later. Tell those other podcasts to go fuck themselves. Peace. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. All right. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. So say goodnight to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no foolishness.